I was pretty naive. No, I was real naive. So I, I come to Oklahoma State, and uh, part of my naivety is they said, all right, all the 150-pounders stand up, which I thought I was going to be the only one. About four guys stood up, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I've been duped. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is Mike Sheets, two-time NCAA champ, one of the best to ever come through Oklahoma State. When he graduated in 1984, he was on a 75-match win streak and was named the Big A Athlete of the Year. Mike was on some legendary Oklahoma State teams. In 1983, Oklahoma State took second to Iowa, but beat Iowa in the duel. 1984, Oklahoma State crushed Iowa in the duel, but Gable still found a way to get it done at the 84 Nationals. And so Mike, just at the center of so much wrestling history, and I can't wait for you to hear this podcast. Fan of the Week goes to a recent Apple podcast review left by SPF at HBJJ. The Flannery family, huge fans of the audio docs, and they have a wish list of future audio docs that they'd like to see. Thank you so much for the review. We greatly appreciate it. Anyone else who's listening who's left an Apple podcast review, thank you. And if you are listening and haven't left a review, get out your phone Give us a rating, subscribe to the podcast, and tell your friends. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is your nutritional cheat code. They're the makers of AG1. Take one scoop of AG1, put it in a glass of ice-cold water, slosh it down. It tastes delicious. And with that, you have your daily allotment of vitamins, minerals, and superfoods. Go to athleticgreens.com slash WCML to take advantage of a Special offer for this podcast, five free travel packs. And what a travel pack is, is it's like a single serving of Athletic Greens. So you have five free travel packs and a one-year supply of vitamin D droplets, which is like a supplement you can add into AG1 to get your vitamin D. So go to athleticgreens.com slash WCML. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for the great Mike Sheets. Mike Sheets, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on here. I know we we talked a few years ago for the documentary I was doing on the Smiths, and it's good to have you back on. Yeah, that was good. That was a great documentary. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, I was just looking through uh through your career and like so 84 you're a senior. 84 was a crazy year in college wrestling. I still don't understand how Chesbro was let go at the end of that year. That was Yeah, he was he was uh coach of the year that year. And then got <laughs> got uh axed. And he had beaten Iowa in that year and the previous year in the dual meet. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Who were you wrestling against Iowa back in those days? Um, let's see. I wrestled, um, Kenny and I both wrestled the, the brothers from, uh, California. Um, Kistler. Kistler's. Yeah. Big, strong. About beat me in the duel. Actually, it was a close match in the duel. Yeah. Tough guy. And you mentioned Kenny Monday. I mean, that's just one of your teammates. You're there with John Smith and obviously Leroy Smith at the beginning and man, just so many guys, but let's go back to the beginning for you. Tell me about like your childhood growing up in Tahlequah. Um, grew up, um, kind of in a rural setting. Tahlequah wasn't that big at the time. Um, but he didn't even have, um, any kind of youth wrestling till I was in fourth grade. A guy, uh, Named Bill Gunther started wrestling there. Had he had polio, he learned from. Uh, he he loved the sport, but he learned uh, wrestling from Bobby Douglas's uh, photo book. His picture, if you've ever seen that, that's how that's where he learned his his wrestling. And uh, uh, great uh, motivator, uh, uh, super super uh, involved with uh, each kid, just. Uh, oh, I don't know. He he was just uh, he was he was consumed by the sport. Great guy, but he had polio. He was a Golden Gloves boxer. Yeah, weighed about probably two hundred eighty pounds. Big guy. Yeah. <laughs> and so he learned from a book. He learned from the Bobby Douglas picture book. If you've ever seen that, I got to get it for the library here. That's like a piece of wrestling history. Yeah, yeah. He showed you know. Uh, he had the tape on the walls showing his Bobby's steps and uh, kind of in time and uh, without video, but you could see the steps and where he was going, the distance he moved. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was kind of neat. So, how did you get looped up with this guy? Uh, when I was in uh, fourth grade, he he went to all the elementary schools and passed out a, a flyer that uh, anybody interested in. Uh, wanting to wrestle and that's how I got uh I was like hey, I'm gonna try this <laughs> got hooked were your parents athletes um my dad played uh baseball and football in uh high school actually he he turned down a couple of scholarships uh in college to go to college and play football but uh I asked him why one time and and at the time which would have been in the 60s uh he said, well, uh, OU didn't offer him a scholarship, and he figured he must not be very good if they didn't offer him a scholarship. High standards. Yes. Yeah. Can you imagine that now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was a vet as well, right? That's kind of how right. you got in your right. career path? Sure. Wow. So how does it go from fourth grade, you know, you're, you're learning from, from your coach, and then you get to high school. Are you wrestling a lot of tournaments in between that there? Or what was like the season like back then? Well, back then for the little kids, it was just like it is now. There was a tournament every weekend. Um, and you just went and 
but there was no freestyle. I, I didn't do any any freestyle whatsoever uh, till high school. Yeah, ninth grade. Yeah, yeah, I forgot now that you say that Oklahoma was probably one of the most organized states for youth wrestling back then. Right. Yeah, it was. It was every weekend uh, once season started. Um, and then uh, uh, got on a junior high. I had uh, the junior high and high school program is, is really well organized. And uh, you would have, depending on what grade you were in, you'd have a practice during the day for your uh, athletics and then go back after school and finish up with, uh, say, if you were in junior high in the ninth grade or uh, in the ninth grade, either after school and high school was all after school or last hour after school. So you'd have like a practice during like a gym class? Yeah, well, it was your athletics. So seventh and eighth grade, you would go in like third hour, uh, which the junior high was about half a mile from the gym. So you'd have to run down there to the gym where we worked out for wrestling and then uh, practice for 30, 45 minutes and uh, shower up and run back to school. <laughs> wow, that's that's a it's cool to have it that involved, though, in the school system. Right. <clears throat> At the time, they were, you know, it was it was pretty well organized. And I had read that one of your goals was to go to Oklahoma State. You really loved Okie State. What was it about the Cowboys over OU that kind of won your heart? Well, then at the time, OSU was, uh, number one, my, my dad graduated from vet school there. So, uh, Okie State fans to start with. But uh, just following wrestling, uh, Oklahoma State was – uh, dominant in the 60s and 70s, uh, early 70s, um, and had uh, missed a couple of chances at national titles uh, by one guy uh, in the middle and late 70s. So, yeah, they were – I was just coming on to their little stronghold. Now, were you one of the thousands of kids during that era that watched the 72 Olympics and watched Wayne oh, Wells yeah. and Gable? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. How big was Wayne, Wayne Wells. Wells at that time? Yeah, Wayne Wells was uh, – he was my idol. He was probably a big inspiration because you got a, a guy from – that was three hours down the road from my house uh, uh, won the Olympics. I was like, dang. I mean, kind of, kind of made it set home, you know. Somebody really? from your own state is like, yeah. That's such a – that's like the beginning of the modern era of Olympic wrestling for a lot of people now. You know, and you look at that team, you had Gable, then you had the Petersons, you had obviously Wayne Wells. I mean, there's a lot of guys. In the, I think, um, who's the guy from Oregon? Ah, people love this guy. I can't think of his name. Um, little guy. But that that whole team had a bunch of icons on it and really was a, a huge spark for wrestling across the country. It's It's cool to hear that. You know, even out in Oklahoma, you know, Wayne Wells had that much of an impact when Gable was probably bigger in other parts of the country. Oh, yeah. Gable was still big, but it was like, you know, uh, when when they're that far away, it's like, yeah, yeah. But when you, you talk about somebody just not very far from your own home, kind of kind of sits home with you. Yeah. He kind of he kind of reminds me of of your path a little bit because he was. Was he going to law school while going through the Olympics and all that? Yeah, I think that... he did. Yeah, I think he, he graduated law school after he'd won the Olympics, but he was in law school at the time. Crazy. So when you're going through high school, 
when did you start to have like some success and really see that you could take wrestling to the college level? Uh, I got little bits and pieces of success, uh, probably by the time I was in sixth or seventh grade. And then of course I had got knocked down to my knees, uh, humbled <laughs> like we all do, uh, along the way. But by the time I was in ninth grade, uh, I felt like I could compete with, with most people. Um, and then I got, that's when we started freestyle and I got humbled. Uh, we would go to, to Iowa city at the time, which was the Federation nationals or what Fargo is now, uh, and get humbled. But I had teammates at the time, even Kenny Mundy, uh, Leo Bailey, uh, was like a, a double champ one or two times. Uh, uh, there was a lot of guys on our team that were good. They were getting national recognition. I wasn't, but but they were, and aspired to to do better. So your after your freshman year is your first time going to the quote unquote junior nationals. Yeah, yeah, they just had it was all one division at that time. Wow, that must have that that was some stiff competition then to have. Oh yeah, it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. <laughs> who uh, do you do you remember who won your weight or who some of the guys were at your weight? I don't even remember at this point. Um, um, but just to go would be a, a big deal and just kind of get out of state and see all those guys. And Oh, yeah. We used to get in vans, and uh, we would head up to, to Iowa City. Uh, we'd stop along the way and stay at people's homes and uh, um, have duels. So we, we took two teams. One team would probably go up through uh, Missouri and Illinois, and one team would go up through uh, Kansas and Iowa uh, and have two or three duels along the way before we got to Iowa City. Duels with who? With uh, Just the local they'd team? They'd organize duels. With, they'd put together a team in uh, towns, and uh, I think I stayed with Morningstar's uh, – um, be Ryan Morningstar's parents uh, and grandparents uh, one year, two or three days. Uh, yeah, we we just stay with families and uh, have duels and uh, get out, take off the next day and go to another town and do the same thing. That's all. That's like a little uh, summer tour. That's yeah, awesome. it was. <laughs> it was. Man, it's funny because I was reading a story of. You, this is fast forwarding a couple of years. You're at Oklahoma State now, but you guys have been on like a 10 day road trip with Chesbro around Christmas oh, yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. He was notorious for that in the, especially over Christmas break. Where would you guys go? Well, we go like uh, Midlands or the, uh, uh, I think the uh, Iowa State started a Midwest Open, but we get on the road and uh, we just head up through the Midwest. Uh, Maybe Indiana. I, I remember spending New Year's Eve in uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, one year. I think that was my senior year. Yeah. Wow, that's. And then what's the? Uh, so you guys are in, and not to mention the summer. Did you go on a lot of summer camps with Chesbro as well? Uh, no, I usually went to summer school, but uh, oh, you, a lot okay. of guys went and did did camp. I I did the camps in Stillwater, which at the time. Uh, I think they'd have like three or four weeks. Well, nowadays it's kind of a two week compact in and out. Uh, but back then, uh, they started doing camps and, uh, 
after Stillwater, they, uh, one year we went to Montana, that was after my senior year, I think, um, and did one up there, um, Pennsylvania, California, Pennsylvania, they used to have a camp out there, uh, I think we did one in Ohio one year. Uh, yeah, they they had a camp tour of about eight weeks, nine weeks, and uh, counting Stillwater, you could you could stay pretty busy. Yeah, I remember uh, hearing from like Corey Bays and and John and all those guys talking about how they'd literally be on the road, like you said, eight weeks, and not only are they doing the you know, helping out with the clinicians and, and being, you know, camp clinicians, but they're also working out at the same time. So they're basically wrestling like eight weeks straight throughout the summer. Oh yeah. 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 Wow. We did, uh, you'd always have a partner and like, uh, the year Leroy was, um, trying to make the Olympic team. Uh, we'd work out, I worked out with him quite a bit, uh, that summer, um, in Stillwater. Um, but yeah, we had you, you had workouts along. I mean, it wasn't mandatory or anything. You just did, right? What was the story where you guys were coming back from like a ten day road trip and Chesbro made you guys like work out or something? Do you remember this uh, one? Yeah. <clears throat> so we we've, we've been on this uh, road trip uh, from hell, and then uh, we get back to Stillwater. It's like uh, I don't know. 5 30 in the morning oh we, we we drove through a roadblock we drove through a road blizzard roadblock got out and moved the moved the dang uh roadblocks drove through it drove all night and uh got back to stillwater at 5 30 everybody's getting up it's like oh man i cannot wait to get home uh sleep in my own bed and uh by the time they threw the uh bus in park um, Tommy says, okay, everybody get in here and get your workout gear on. And we're just like, oh man, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> what was a, uh, what was a Chesbro workout like back then? A lot, a lot of technique. I mean, a lot of, a lot of technique, a lot of, uh, attention to detail. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I hear from everyone just, Re- religious repetition drilling like just oh, yeah. o- over and over yep call you back in uh fix this fix this uh yeah he he uh he paid attention to detail when it came to technique and like overall how would you describe like his demeanor and his approach as a coach oh i think he it was good um i know that guy was under a lot of pressure from alumni um, he, uh, he'd, he'd missed a couple opportunities, you know, when, uh, Leroy Smith was a sophomore, um, I think he was seated two or three in the country and he didn't place, uh, he got beat first or second round. I think back then it was single elimination. So if your guy didn't make it to the, to the semis, uh, you're out of the tournament. Well, that year, um, we lost by uh, a slim margin, uh, not very many points, and and Leroy makes it to the semis. They win the national tournament. That was probably seventy seven, probably in there. Um, and another uh, 
near miss um well my senior year uh john was uh, a true freshman he was seated second i think uh and he got beat and put out so um we lost by a margin that was probably going to be pretty close. We may not have made it up with just John, but uh, we had some some other guys that, that didn't uh, wrestle up to their seeds, but that happens every national tournament. Yeah, I'm pulling up that 84 bracket. Cause I, I do remember um, the, t- I, the team score being Razor 123 to 98. So, you know, John alone probably – wouldn't have done it, but that would have gotten you guys pretty close. Um, yeah, it would have been got. It would have been close, but uh, yeah, we had a couple others that that didn't wrestle up to their seeds. But it happens; they still those guys still placed. Yeah, I'm looking here. Like Mark Perry was seated third; he took a sixth. But again, even just getting on the All American stand is is a uh, is obviously a feat in itself. Um, and so Chesbro had a couple of near misses. How did he come into your life as like a as a recruiter? Like, did you call him, or was he coming down to visit you? Or no, actually, uh, uh, Paul Martin was the assistant at the time. He was the national runner up at at Oklahoma State. Um, his brother Dave wrestled at Iowa State. He was national champ. He was on the team with Gable, um, and uh, Paul started contacting me uh, initially. Um, probably my end of my junior year. And I think he saw me in a freestyle tournament at like a, maybe it was the state freestyle tournament qualifier slash qualifier for uh, uh, Iowa city or federation nationals. And then um, I uh, talked with him a little bit and then um, uh, Tommy got involved. Probably I talked to him two or three times uh my senior year uh, throughout the season, he'd come to a tournament, which Stillwater, his son, his son wrestled. uh, And then, uh, well, all his sons wrestled, but um, Doug was uh, my age and he, he would be at the tournament and uh, call me over to visit with him. Um, Yeah. I talked to him two or three times. And then was it, pretty cut and dry for you to go there or were you looking at anywhere else uh you know what pretty much uh at the time i thought uh if oklahoma state didn't recruit me i was like my dad i was like if, if oklahoma state didn't recruit me i didn't want to wrestle in college and in truth in fact i probably only had um nai schools talking to me other than than uh, osu you guys, like I said, a high standard in the Sheets household. Um, <laughs> for uh, you know, if it's not Oklahoma State, it's no one. That's at the time, like you said, one of the one of the top top two for sure. Um, now, a lot of people look at your high school career and kind of wonder how you weren't recruited a little bit more because you were one of the only the only one to beat Kenny Monday in high school. And I know you guys had a couple matches in high school, but. Um, what do you remember about that scrap with the great Kenny Monday? Uh, it was good. It was, um, it, and actually we tied. That's back when they didn't have a tiebreaker. It was in a duel. It was a tie. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, tied, uh, we tied in, uh, duel at, uh, at Booker T, the high school that, that, uh, Kenny wrestled at. And, uh, 
back then it was a pretty pretty packed gym just uh maybe in anticipation of the match um uh and it just i don't remember much about the match other than i got a late takedown to to uh tie it up and uh, i was a little short on riding time i think i had like 58 or 9 seconds riding time um to uh, win the match. And then we wrestled again um, at the UConn tournament in the finals uh, later that year. And uh, he beat me. I don't know what the score was, 6-5 or 5-6. Uh, I got greedy and tried to pin him and reversed me to my back. So you wrestled him a second time. And, and obviously, I mean, we're talking Kenny Monday here. So I'm just curious, what was his reputation back at that time? Oh, unbeatable. Yeah, no, I wrestled with him in the summer, uh, going to Iowa City. And like I said, I had uh, those guys were uh, way up here on a pedestal as far as uh, competitors, and and like I say, Leo Bailey was uh, he was younger than me, but um, he kind of stood stood out the the same way, um, bar, um, freestyle and Greco for Leo. And Kenny had a bunch of brothers that were stud wrestlers as well, right? Were they around yeah, they during wrestled that time? At OU. They both wrestled at OU. They were they were tough. Uh, and actually, Booker T was um, a great high school program in North Tulsa. Um, we had teammates, uh, Thomas Landrum. Uh, he's all American. He was from uh, Kenny's high school. Uh, Greg Hawkins. Uh, he was a uh, all-American Oklahoma State uh, from Kenny's High School. Uh, and they all had – I think Greg might have had a brother wrestled at Iowa State. No, Greg might have wrestled at Iowa State for a year. Um, but they they had brothers wrestling. They were tough. They had, a, like, a legendary coach there who's – I can't remember his name, but Hall of Fame-type coach in both wrestling and football from what I remember. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, – uh, he was a disciplinarian, I think, and and kept those kids in line. And uh, he took the effort. He was one of those guys that uh, he's gonna make sure you got to practice. But having a ride was not an excuse because he would go pick you up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like like you said, that um that that North Tulsa area at the time they were producing like NFL athletes, just stud teams across the board. Oh yeah, football, basketball wrestling yeah it was tough and when you finally got to oklahoma state did you redshirt no no wow it, it was just crazy because people don't realize you came in thought maybe you would wrestle 150 and i can't remember scover ricky stewart was there then at 158 one of the other ones was there so you go 167 How, was that mm -hmm. a rest was that wrestling up for you or was that about your natural weight that was uh, – I'd probably, I'd probably weigh out of practice 62, 60, something like that. Yeah. Wow. And to compete as a true freshman is is pretty, you know, pretty amazing and probably not for you, which is why it happened. But just from an outsider's perspective, what was the, like, the transition like for you coming into that cowboy room? Oh, it was miserable. Miserable. I uh, – I used to get the heck beat out of me daily. Um, my first uh, workout, which was unofficial workout, we uh, 
had the co the Colvin Center, which was uh, the gym for all students on uh, campus. We had a wrestling room over there, and unofficial practice was there, and you'd go work out. Uh, it was basically you just grab a partner and we're rolling around. But um, my first practice was with Leroy and Stephen Barrett. Stephen oh Barrett was a national champion of Oklahoma State. And uh, oh, they used to beat the crap out of me for about uh, two or three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Unmercifully. I'd come back to the room. My roommate was Mark Perry. I'd come back to the room. My head be just beat up. He'd be on the, on the phone with his girlfriend at the time, which is uh, John's sister, John Smith's sister, Kathy. Uh, He'd say, how'd you do? I said, how the hell does it look like I did? I just got, I just got beat up. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Perry is, he is such a, uh, he's an awesome guy and just a real like fighting spirit. Did he have that back then? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, we, uh, his nickname is the book of knowledge, the wrestling book of knowledge. Uh, we used to, uh, Another roommate of mine later on, uh, the next year from my sophomore year, um, we'd get the, well, Mark would memorize the uh, amateur wrestling news box scores. I mean, I'm talking about box scores in the back, which uh, once a month it came out and gave results of all the matches. Uh, We'd look at uh, a match that said uh, Holy Cross and William and Mary and I'd say, I can't believe so-and-so beat so-and-so, you know, from uh, Holy Cross. And he'd be like, that's that's bull crap. Uh, he beat him 6'5". And I'm like, <laughs> 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 we're talking about 30 or 40 box scores in the back of that, that thing. He knew every match. Wow. And he was already dating John's sister at that time. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, no, and and obviously Leroy stayed on to coach, and you know the the whole '84 Olympic saga. You know, you were a senior, so you were you were right there for a lot of that. But, um, you know, going back to your freshman year, so you're coming in, you're transitioning, and you end up getting on the podium as a true freshman, taking an All American award. In your best kind of words, how would you describe what enabled you to have that kind of success early on in college? Was it like a mentality you took, or was it a physical thing you were doing? Uh, probably a lot of it was just, uh, workout partners and, and wanting to be a part of the team. Um, I had Ricky Stewart. I worked out with Ricky, Kenny Mundy, Matt Scove. Um, there was, um, Alan Lochner. Um, yeah, there was, it was a tough room and, uh, no easy outs. Um, just spent a lot of time, uh, getting better. Uh, just figuring out your own your own path in in the workout room, and finally uh, uh, having those little victories in there. And and uh, I always felt like uh, even even if I wasn't supposed to win, I always felt like I was supposed to, you know. I uh, and got that mentality through uh, growing up, and and then when you got to that room, surviving in there as a freshman, and and uh, deciding that uh, I wasn't going to take no for an answer or didn't want to. Yeah. And that self-confidence is, is probably the one thing that separates kids is, 
even if the kid's technically good, sometimes they have that inner self-doubt and just can't rise to the occasion. Did you ever have problems with that, or were you someone who just kind of always expected to win? I think I expected to win. I, I did, and and uh, if if nothing else, uh, the one thing you can control is your conditioning. So uh, mentally, I was like, I cannot. And then back then, it was um, – Eight minute matches, two, three, three. Oof. Wow. So uh hopefully it was gonna be a, a rally in the third if uh if I was behind, which was a lot of times. <laughs> the third period's gonna be hell no matter what. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> matter what. <laughs> <laughs> and then your sophomore year, you have um some great matches with another legend, Dave Schultz. Mm-hmm. And you beat him at Gallagher that year. Is that right? That's the first time I beat him. So what's the what's the vibe like at Gallagher for a duel back in those days? Oh, my God. It was packed house, standing room only. Um, I'll, I'll tell you about Gallagher, which I didn't – I was pretty naive. No, I was real naive. So I, I come to Oklahoma State, and uh, part of my naivety is they said, all right, all the 150-pounders stand up, which I thought I was going to be the only one. About four guys stood up, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've been duped. No. <laughs> so um, uh, we're coming out of uh, practice the night before the OU duel, and I was going to weigh in at the OU match at 58. I knew I wasn't going to wrestle, but I was going to weigh in. And uh, – we step out the door, Mark Perry and I, and there's uh, people laying on the concrete with blankets, towels, and it's wrapping all the way around Gallagher, students, OSU students. And I'm like, Perry, what in the hell's going on here? He goes, they're waiting in line for tickets tomorrow. I go, tickets to what? He goes, that wrestling match, you dumbass. And I was like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. So they camped out. <laughs> Tickets went on sale for the duel at uh, 8 a.m. And the students were camped out to get tickets. That's how big a deal it was. Yeah, there was no cell phones. There was no, you know, it was like tickets go on sale here. There's no computers like there is now. I mean, the the internet. And it's like, nope, you, you want a ticket, you're going to have to get in line. And, and tickets are going to sell out. So it's sold out crowd. Yeah, it was crazy. So truly standing room only kind of thing. Truly, truly. Yeah. Wow. And when you're warming up for something like that, my understanding is that the wrestling room was in the basement and that you could kind of hear everything going on above. Oh, yeah, you could hear some rumbling. Yeah, I mean, you could hear it. It was getting – you could kind of hear some soft noise. Uh, Now, if you were downstairs and something good happened, you could hear it all. But, yeah, you you heard soft noise. Uh, things are starting to, to build up upstairs. How would you guys kind of make your way into the duel back then after like a good warm up in the wrestling room? Well, then they, uh, we had the warm up in the wrestling room. Then we'd line up and, uh, we just run out on the mat, circle the mat and, uh, um, maybe not really warm up. Then we just line up for, um, uh, before the, the face off of the duel. Yeah. Yeah, face off. So had you wrestled Schultz before this, that year you wrestled him at Gallagher? Yeah, he beat me. So he beat me when I was a freshman. 
uh, I went down to six. I went down to fifty-eight and wrestled him as a freshman in a duel. And Tommy bumped Ricky up to sixty-seven to wrestle Mark. And then um, that was my freshman year. And then um, my sophomore year, I wrestled him at the Midlands, and he beat me. I think I wrestled him at a duel. He beat me, but it got closer every time. Yeah. How would you describe Mark versus wrestling Dave? Um, their styles, their styles were different. They're both strong. I mean, Dave didn't look strong, but he was, he was strong. Uh, he was strong as all get out. Now he wasn't as flexible as, as Mark. Uh, and Mark was a, he was a beast. Um, Yeah, they, they, they're just different styles. Yeah. Mark looks so muscular and big out there. And, like, you know, Dave is obviously – you wouldn't necessarily think that when you look at him. Yeah. No, he's he was strong. He was strong. What happened in the match you beat Dave Schultz at Gallagher? How that, um, do you remember that one? Or Yeah, kind of. Um, and it came down to the wire. Uh, I think, actually, he was about to escape – uh to tie the match and I was in on the leg um or I had his leg and uh time ran out couldn't break my grip but um yeah it was it was a pretty big deal and and, and the biggest deal of the duel what people remember most was um uh Mitch Shelton uh pinning Bannock to win it really yeah. Oh yeah, he pinned Bannock, and uh, that place went crazy. Now we're talking OU. We talking Iowa? No, we're talking about Iowa. Oh, okay. I thought we were t- okay. Gotcha. Iowa, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, my my bad. No, no, you're good. He pinned Doctor Death. Yeah. Okay. There's another duel that that uh, Mitch pinned. Uh... So I want to get to that Iowa duel too, but okay. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. No, we're no, talking no, about the OU Death. duel. I'm, my bad. Yeah. yeah. He pinned Doctor Death, uh, Steve Williams, uh, to win the duel. And the crowd went crazy. To your point, that is a story that came up so many times when I was doing the Smiths. And it was just kind of like out of the scope of, of the John and Leroy story. But that was people talk about that. Like, like every people from Oklahoma talk about that. And I'm like, who the hell is Dr. Death? But everyone in Oklahoma knows who it is. <laughs> oh yeah. Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Uh, um, you know, he went on to be a pro wrestler, professional wrestler. He passed away, uh, not too long ago, but, um, yeah, he was uh, he was pretty uh, charismatic fella, you know. He he had a lot of uh, animation. He got the crowd. He got the crowd against you or against them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because and then uh, this isn't the same time when I think it's like the Big Eight championships and. I think an Oklahoma State guy pinned an Iowa State guy, and John Mona was the Smith, cowboy. Mona Smith uh, pinned Santana or beat Santana. Yeah, and he uh, got so loud in there, uh, there were there were actually light bulbs busting. That's what I'm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was. The I big was there eights. for that. I, I was I was sitting underneath the dang. Uh, I kind of nuzzled my way, and it was again one of those standing room only uh, venues, and got underneath the a table. Uh, and uh, I can't remember how old I was. I was I was probably junior high. I might have been high school, but I 
found me a way where I got a front row seat. And when he pinned him, I mean, that place went nuts. Yeah. Wow. You must have been in high school because there's a video. John Smith was the cowboy for that match. Yeah, and it that's looks, right. That's right. And he's like 14. So you're probably 15, somewhere in there. I was, no, I was probably 16 or 17. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That man, I'm glad I brought that up because that, that by far is like, they say the loudest Gallagher's ever been is that moment. Yeah. Well, well, uh, I can attest that when Mitch pinned Dr. Death, that was the second loudest. Right there with it. Yeah. Yeah. So in 83, when you guys had the duel with Iowa, that's when it must have, because 84, you guys killed him. Like it wasn't even close, which is like Gable, what, you know, Gable had just gotten back from Tbilisi. J Rob's the coach in 84. And um, John Smith takes Mark Trezino down to the wire and gets oh, him. Oh, the head snap. Yeah. That was the greatest. That's one of the my greatest moments in Gallagher is when John head snaps Trezino and no time on the clock and wins it. I mean, <laughs> I can still I can get goosebumps talking about that. That was great. Yeah, he does like the little pistols afterwards. He's so excited. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was that was one of the greatest uh moments in Gallagher. Wow. Yeah. Man, just so many uh that era is just golden era for wrestling and you know outside of those matches at gallagher you also had a front row seat to one of the greatest trilogies ever not even trilogies rivalries ever kenny monday nate carr nate carr yeah and what and uh kenny kenny always managed to beat him in the duel and beat him in the in the big eight uh and it went overtime both years in the finals uh yeah it was tough Overtime, both years in the NCAA finals. Right. Wow. I mean, it's crazy to look at Kenny Monday's Olympic resume. Then you look and see one-time champ, and you're like, oh, he was battling Nate Carr the whole time. Like, unbelievable. Yeah. And he went – so what, Carr went down for the Olympics, or Kenny just got bigger? No, he went down. Uh, well, I think Carr was actually wrestling 63-some and uh, – he decided to go down to 49, uh, which he could make it. At that time, Kenny had gotten big enough. Uh, and actually, if it wasn't for the lineup, Kenny Kenny really probably should have been uh, 57 for um, – or 58 for uh, his junior and his senior year. But for the sake of the lineup uh, – he stayed at fifty, but he got he got big. Wow, that I yeah, so he was I mean? down at fifty. Wow, that's um yeah. I mean, I know he he cut a lot, and if you look at ninety six at the Olympics, he was cutting a ton there. Um, but I mean, obviously, one of the all time greats, along with yourself. What what was it about Kenny Monday that enabled him to have that kind of success over you know fifteen twenty years? Um. Well, number one, he stayed healthy for the most part. Um, he was just a, a hell of an athlete. I mean, he was athletic, quick, uh, strong. Uh, technique was uh, – his technique developed. He had good technique, but his speed was probably his biggest asset uh, early on. Uh, but, yeah, he, he kind of had the whole deal. Uh, when it was all said and done. 
And when you guys were training for the 88 trials, what was like, was it a structured deal or were you guys just kind of working out on your own or? <laughs> yeah, we didn't have any coaches. We just said, we'll meet at the gym at such and such time. And at the time, Gallagher was getting re-innovated and uh, we had to go down to a little uh, abandoned junior high gym, which was a gym slash cafeteria. And we had, uh, I don't know how many mats we had in there, but uh, that's where OSU had practice that year. 87, 88 was down at that little junior high. And uh, yeah, you just meet up down there and work out. There's no coaches, nobody telling you about technique. Um, just doing your thing. Was John in there with you guys or is he working out somewhere else at that time? No, he was there. I mean, well, depending on uh, depending on the uh, practice, because we might everybody might meet there at a certain time anyway. But if you wanted a, an extra practice, you had to find somebody and say, "Meet me here at this time," or "I can't make it today at three. I'll I'll meet you at five, or let's meet up at eight in the morning." Yeah. It's just crazy to think of all all you guys, all you studs working out at a middle school. Like, not that it matters, but it kind of does, like, impact the energy of the room. Like, if you're at, like, a middle school cafeteria. I mean, it's it's a little bit different than being in the in the dungeon, so to speak. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, – I'm telling you, it was just mats in this gym, and it had the stage. You know, it was the old middle school where they'd have their little – or, you know, they'd have a play or something up on the stage, and – and it also served as uh, the cafeteria and the and the um, basketball gym. I mean, it was, it was a pretty big building. I don't know how many mats, eight or ten mats we had laid out there. And this is right around the time where you had made your, your comeback. And when I say comeback, for folks who don't know what I'm talking about, after college, you finished 75 straight wins, two-time national champ, big eight wrestler of the year. Then you go to veterinary school for two years. And were you all but – like off the mat at this point in time? Yeah, I just did camps in the summer uh, for a job. And um, pretty much just uh, – I think uh, when I was in vet school, I, the Hoth – they had the Hall of Fame Classic maybe, freestyle tournament. Um, mm -hmm. I wrestled in it one year, but I didn't work out. Um, I showed up and um, – I got beat by Melvin Douglas by one point in the finals. And I was, I was a little upset about that. He'd never beat me. And then um, one year I wrestled uh, at the National Open. I can't remember which one it was, probably 85 or eight. No, it was 86. And I went out there and uh, lost in the finals to Mark. Because 85, you beat Shear in the finals, right? Yep. 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 Yeah. And what's the what's the loss where you walk over and walk to the payphone? Okay, so um I was uh doing camps and they had they had what they called the sports festival. Uh and I was getting some phone calls about the sports festival if I wanted to go um uh come out and wrestle on the sports festival, which I was like, I don't know. You know, I was doing camps. Well, it fell in a time slot where uh, I didn't have a camp, and they would fly you from wherever you were. You'd fly out there, wrestle in the tournament, and then they'd have a return. Back then, you didn't have to have tickets. 
way in advance, and you could swap them at the at the gate. You could go instead of going to Dallas, you could go to Chicago and turn your ticket in and have the full credit for it. Um, so I flew out there to uh, the sports festival, went out first match, made weight, went out first match, and uh, had Rico Ciparelli. Uh, he caught me and pinned me. And I got up off the mat. I walked straight to the payphone, put my quarter in, dialed my dad collect, and uh, told him that uh, I was sitting out of vet school. I said, these guys can't beat me. I, I, uh, I'm going to train for a year. But the school, at the time, the school had already asked me if I wanted to to take a, a year leave of absence and uh, uh, train to try to make the Olympic team. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm all in school. I'm all in school. And it's, that's it. But uh, that was the, the day Rico pinned me. I was like, yeah, I'm not putting up with this shit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to train and I'm going to win. What'd your dad say? Nothing. <laughs> he was a dead silence on the phone. <laughs> I was asked he... him later. He said, I didn't think you'd ever go back to vet school. He was, I thought you were done. Yeah. Wow. Was vet school a challenge? Yeah. Yeah, it was a challenge. Yeah. It was busy. And so like when you're in that, you're in you're into it full time just like you would a wrestling season, basically. Yeah, it's like a job. I mean, it wasn't any different than wrestling to me. It was like, all right, you're gonna put all your efforts into this and uh you're gonna um ignore all the noise around you because this is where your focus is. And that's basically how I treated it. And uh, I couldn't do both. Right. Well, that match with Rico led to a, a really cool situation where you're training with <clears throat> Kenny and uh, you know, winner of 87, getting ready for the trials in 88. And how did you guys decide to go to the Midlands? I don't know. I, you, I mean, I, that? I think we just need to wrestle competition. You know, we're, there wasn't, we hadn't had anything going on, and we were getting ready to go uh, to uh, – to Blissey and then to um, uh, the tournament in France. So I, uh, Roger Coulomb or something. But anyway, we were on that tour. Uh, it was just like, yeah, we need to get some competition here before we take off on the road. And did you guys just drive up there? Or how, and no, we how, flew. How yeah, did we it go? Flew. Art Martori, I mean, he was great for us, uh, Sunkist. He, we wrestled under Sunkist and uh, if it wasn't for him, I I would have never made it. I can tell you. He's had an impact on so many people. It's just it's insane to even think about all the people he's impacted. I mean, you have the Arizona yeah. State crew, the Oklahoma State crew. Like, there's a and then now it's you know it it's not necessarily tied to the school like it was back then, but yeah, I mean, so he he was a, a big sponsor for you guys, and I was just reading Kenny Monday's post, and he said that you guys were kind of sitting around just talking and none of you had wrestled folk style in years. And you go up to the Midlands <laughs> and, uh, you were OW, I think. I won something. I don't know. And I, you, I you guys both won it. And then Kenny Monday says that the next month at Tbilisi, he was OW of Tbilisi. Yeah. Yeah. He got the Cape. Sure did. Wow. What, what memories do you have of going over to the, uh, to Tbilisi? Um, cold. Cold a good. We went, uh, we wrestled in a duel, and I think it was Cherkask. It was like west of the Ural Mountains. It was in Siberia. 
uh, or east of the Ural Mountains. And uh, God dang, it was cold. And trying to make weight over there, ugh, it was miserable. Just, uh, it was tough. Like, you could see why those Russians were tough um, training in those conditions. But, uh, yeah, and, and they packed the house every time you had a duel. Uh, it was packed house. Yeah, that's that's where um, Kenny beat. I believe it was Varayev in the finals, who was yeah. uh, I believe is a world champ. But yeah, so um, and that's what uh, that's what John had said when I asked him about Tbilisi. I think he went in eighty seven, and he said he was just amazed at how kind of like primitive and like second world things were. Like it was pretty oh, yeah. shocking. Was that the same yeah. kind of impression you got? Exactly. I mean, it's cold. Mats were cold. Um, you know, over here we have hot workout rooms they had cold it, <clears throat> you couldn't get enough uh sweatpants and stuff on you weren't we weren't i wasn't prepared for that i can tell you <laughs> and that's what like it's cool it's just you know all these stories of travel and you know obviously in, in 88 uh it didn't go the way you wanted and you, then you went into to being a veterinarian and what I love is the first time we met, I think I was asking you like, what's your work schedule is trying to fit in an interview. And you said you work seven days a week. Is that true? You're still doing pretty, that? Pretty much. Yeah. I, I, I now at least I, I take uh, probably a day or day and a half for uh, at my farm. Yeah. Try to get things done out there. But for how long do you think you were doing seven on seven for? Um, about uh, till 2020. <laughs> from 90 to 2020 <laughs> 30 years oh my god um that's amazing and that's just like the i can imagine the work ethic you had for wrestling if that's how you treat your career well um yeah now it's it's awesome to catch up with you mike sheets i know you're um you have a, a very busy schedule so it's great we can make time for this my last question is you know you've been through a lot in your career you know the highest highs i'm sure you've had you know, some extreme lows like any wrestler has, you know, when you look at just the totality of like what wrestling gave to you, like how would you say wrestling like most impacted you and something that you still work with today? Um, I feel like it probably, uh, number one, it grounds you. Uh, about the time you think uh, you, uh, you might be uh, getting to a point where you're, you're, uh, you can't get any better because you are the best and then you'll get grounded. You'll get grounded and, and uh, humbled. And, and I think it keeps you humble. Um, and, it, and it also at the same time uh, lets you know that, that hard work does pay off. Uh, you may not get the results that you want, but uh, if you'll keep your nose to the grindstone, I always tell my kids head down, ass up, let's go just work. Um, I think, uh, I think that's probably the, the best take home message. So it's head down, ass up. That's right. Keep working. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Mike sheets, thank you so much for coming on, man. I, I wish you nothing but the best and really appreciate you making time for the show. All right, Ryan. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life with Mike Sheets. To support this podcast, please go to athleticgreens.com slash WCML. Also go to spartancombat.com 
They just came out with the Kyle Dake wrestling shoe, so check that out at SpartanCombat.com. And that's it, folks. Thank you for a great 2022. We'll see you in 2023. Peace!